You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, C.C. Broadus. Welcome back to episode 30 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm C.C. Broadus. I'm joined by Alan Schneider. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Uh, it's winter. It's cold. Turfway's running. Take a look at it. And Brandon Jaggers is not here yet. He's still uh, he's finishing up his community service. Uh, and <laughs> he'll, he's going to join us later. But, Alan, let's uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, we've got a nice show for you today. First, we're going to have Chris Landeros, who's absolutely in fuego at Turfway in the, uh, in the opening stages of the meet. Yeah, he's uh, Chris Landeros will be joining us. He has been... Uh, just torching the new taffeta surface up in Florence. Um, looking forward to talking to Chris and going to find out what his secrets are to uh, solving that taffeta puzzle. And then after that, we're going to try to solve another puzzle, a different type of puzzle. Uh, Turfoy has a pick five carryover of $67,000 in the first five races on Wednesday night. And we're going to try to dissect that card, maybe give out some winners. And Brandon will join us a little bit later to uh, to help us uh, solve that particular puzzle. Yeah, so I hope we can uh, maybe get through this. That one the other night was was a tough one, and when they kicked it off with a sixty to one shot, so that's why you got that big pot of gold sitting right there. All right, so without further ado, I think uh, Mr. Landeros has joined us on the line. Uh, Alan, take it away. All right, everybody. Uh, in light of this show highlighting all things Kentucky and all things Turfway. I am truly and deeply excited to welcome on our next guest. He's a mainstay jockey in our beloved Kentucky circuit. Throughout his 15-year career, he has amassed nearly 1,500 wins, raked in a cool $40 million in earnings. So far, there's more to come, I'm sure. He's piloted multiple great stakes winners, such as Alsvid, Champagne Anyone, and General Ruler, just to name a scant few, and is currently on one hell of a tear at Turfway Park where he just added the holiday inaugural to a stakes-winning resume when he got a chance to shine to a whopping 33-1 to upset win. With all this in mind, the Auxiliary Gate crew would like to welcome Mr. Chris Landerles to the pod. How are you doing, Chris? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Oh, fantastic. We appreciate Excellent. you doing this. We appreciate you doing this. And I want to get in a couple of little turfway stats real quick before we start this chat, just so people know how, how last week went for you. Um, you had 16 starters. Mr. Uh, Landeros won five of those, had six seconds. He's hit the board with his last eight runners at Turfway Park. And if you had had the uh, foresight to bet $2 to win every starter that Mr. Landeros uh, rode last week, that $32 investment would have netted you 132 bucks. That's over 400% ROI, folks. So to say that Mr. Landeros is on fire is an understatement. Outstanding. Outstanding. That's some serious numbers. I don't know if Mr. If, if, uh, Chris Landeros is aware of that. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't. <laughs> no. Well, that, that's what we're here for, Chris. Yeah, that's um, pretty cool. Anyway, so now you're in Kentucky, for the, uh, at least for the early part of this winter uh, at Turfway. Is that the plan to stay here in Kentucky, go to Florida, or, or is there, are you playing by ear so far? No, you know, I, I have to miss Florida this year. Um, I just, with... I, I, I had a slow year for 2020 uh, for mm-hmm. myself. Um, for myself, it just wasn't up to par. I was lacking a little bit of 
everyday business, um, every, a little bit of two-year-olds, um, just kind of everything all around. It just didn't seem to fit. And when you go to Florida, you need to have some ammo in your back pocket because it's just right. so competitive. Um, last few years, I've been so blessed to go over there and, you know, have a nice, you know, potential two-year-old uh, filly or colt that I can kind of follow and have some hopes for to get on the Derby Trail or Oaks Trail. Uh, this year, I just felt like I was lacking it. Um, wasn't really necessarily rolling like for, you know, up to my standards. And, you know, I got, uh, I, I just kind of had to put it all out on the table and make a decision. I decided to stay put for Turfway. Um, with the bigger guys, you know, the names of trainers, Cassie, mm-hmm. and Brissett, McPeak, Ian Wilkes, you know, Mike Baker. I don't want to, you know, uh, don't, I don't want to, you know, don't say any names that are already there. I'm not, I don't want to count anyone out, but I just felt that it was a good opportunity to kind of get in and get seen a little bit more with them and hopefully get lucky and yeah. and hopefully it carries over. And, you know, I, I was very blessed. I got off to a good start and I just hope it continues. We'll see what happens. We'll take one one day at a time, one week at a time, see where see where it leads. Well, it sounds like you made the right call so far. Uh, we appreciate you staying. Uh, you made me some money, so I think you made the right call from a personal standpoint. Uh, so let me ask you. So you know, I, I, this is probably your first time riding full time at Turfway. Are you are you prepared for this? Uh, for these winter months, it, it gets pretty cold up there in January. Uh, how much racing have you done in 10, 15, 18 degree weather? None whatsoever. So no, <laughs> I'm not really looking forward to it, to be honest. I'm. I'm born and raised in California. I've been in Florida the last few years, so I think that should tell you how how excited I am for the cold. <laughs> but you know, I guess you can, uh, get some winners; it'll warm you up. Yeah, winning warms you up. I can tell you that. Um, well, as we noted, you are riding very well in the early stages of this meet, and one of the reasons you know we are really wanted to have you on, so you could tell us a little something about this new surface that we that's new to all of us. Uh, handicappers, horse players, and, and jockeys alike. So, what can you tell us about this new tap of the surface? I mean, we've we've come up with a few ideas of our own, but you're the expert. And uh, what can you tell us? Well, I mean, I'm not so sure I figured it out or anything. I, I think it's, it's I think it's nice. Um, seems like it has a nice little bounce to it. I haven't had any problems um, prior to the meet starting. I came over for on a couple Saturday mornings for Mark Cassie and Rudolph Brissett to breeze a few a handful of horses, and they let me get over it, and it seemed very, very nice. And I was actually pretty excited about uh, riding races over it because I, I was pretty high on the surface. I liked it a lot. Um, you know, a lot of guys were saying that the kickback was pretty, pretty, you know, crucial for the horses last year. And yeah, there's some kickback on it now but it's nothing or nowhere near where it was uh last year i guess in the past uh so that that's good and it makes it fair so horses from the from the back can kind of close in it's hard for a horse to close in when that stuff's kicking back at them because it it, you know it hurts them so they you know they don't they go the other way on it so i think it's pretty fair um i've seen horses come from way out of it i've seen horses stay wire to wire you know, right there on the stocking pace. So I think it's pretty fair. Yeah, that's what we all want. We all want the fair surface, and that's what it looks like to us. And there may be a little bit of a slant of a, of a 
closing bias, which I personally prefer, but uh, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm, I've been uh, happy with it uh, so far from a horse player's perspective. Uh, do you think the surface fits your riding style? It sure seems like it does, but <laughs> do you feel like it fits Chris Landeros? Oh, I, I just try to ride the best horse. You know, I got to give them the credit. They, they put me in a position to win, make my job a lot easier. And when you have the horse under you, I mean, a lot of guys can get the job done. You know, uh, this has been a, a bit of a weird year. I think we'd all agree with that. It's uh, So the jockeys have had to uh, take up wearing masks uh, due to COVID. Uh, is that difficult? Is that uh, a hindrance at all, is, or is it no big deal? I mean, you know, we're in the winter at Turfway anyway because it's going to be cold, but has the mask affected you or even the other riders from what from what you've seen or heard? Um. To be honest with you, for myself, it's actually, I mean, I was used to it already. I, I wear um, kind of more of like an Under Armour mask that covers my whole mouth and just the bit top of my nose. And I'll pull it just right underneath my nose uh, prior to going into the gates. But I'm so used to wearing one. So wearing a cold mask for the for Turfway, it really wasn't any different. Uh, so it actually worked out good. I was kind of getting ready for it um as the year went on so it, it worked out good for me but the only problem i've ever had is you know after a race you're pretty you're in, you're you're blowing hard because of riding and you, you ride hard and they want you to keep it on i understand for you know safety purposes but we're just trying to breathe that's the hardest uh no that that's my biggest issue is i just have trouble with that so sometimes i have to pull it down real quick to get a couple breaths of air um, and then put it back up. But other than that, I don't feel like it's a big, it's a big difference. Um, it doesn't bug me at all. Well, that's good to hear. And trust me, brother, we're all, we're all in that boat. We all pull ours down when nobody's looking to. So <laughs> yeah, I'm even in the grocery store and I'm Amen. breathe too well with a mask. So I guess when I'm riding, I don't know, I guess the adrenaline takes over. You, you, you just don't think about it as much. Um, well, you know, you, you've long ridden for ian wilkes with great success he's your father-in-law correct am i, am I right about that yes okay well, you and brian hernandez we've had on the show before a uh, big fan of his as well you both ride regularly for mr wilkes uh, is there any rhyme or reason of who rides which horses or who's working who in the morning or uh, how do you guys sort that out or is that just something the agents take care of I just do what I'm told. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's a good answer. <laughs> I, I have I have no idea. Um, I never question what Ian has planned for me. Uh, I maybe he has a rhyme or reason. You know who fits who, or you know we don't always fit every horse. So I'm sure he finds some strengths and weaknesses to you know me and Brian's riding, and you know what fits what horse and. Sometimes it's good to switch it up a little bit. Sometimes it, you need to change. Um, if it's not working, you know you got to you got to try to got to try to change something to fix it. So um, you know I, I get it. I understand. Um, it happens. And uh, no, I just I just show up when I have a worker and ride what I can in the afternoon. Cool, cool. Speaking of uh, Ian Wilkes, you've won numerous times on one of my favorite horses. Um, General Ruler. For those who don't know, General Ruler is a turf marathoner uh, who took a long time to get going. And once the light went on, he turned, they put him on the turf, sent him long, sent her long. And uh, she truly, truly blossomed. And 
I don't know if I can think of any rider, and this is this is not just sucking up because you're on the show. I cannot think of any rider that has gives their horse such a textbook picture perfect ride every time out like you do at General Ruler. I know exactly when you're going to move. I know exactly where you're going to sit, and it comes through every time. Um, what can you tell us about that horse? I'm sure there's. I'm sure she means a lot to you. Hmm. Yeah, I don't really even have the words to be honest with you. How special she she is to me. You know, she was um. She was a horse that when you even a few days before the race was about to, you know, go off, you just had you were just you couldn't wait. You just couldn't wait. She was just that much fun. And the thing she could do in a race was just unbelievable. And, um, you know, they're they're hard to find. And uh, yeah, we're I mean, gosh, I kind of actually get a little bit of goosebumps now just thinking about things that she did for me and how I mean, she put me in nice spots, and yes, turf racing is a lot of lot of luck as well. But you know, you have to have the horse, and they have to be brave, and they got to split through holes. And she just took me every time. So again, my my credit was to her because you know, not once did we ever get stopped. So I was always wondering, man, if is this always going to be this clean and clear of a trip? Because gosh, I just she was just so good, so athletic. It always seemed like you would sit like third, I think, and maybe on the turn you'd push the button and the horse would just respond every time. It just, that's what it seemed like from a, from a watching the race on TV and in the stands. And is she still running? Is she uh, still she, racing? She just retired. Oh, okay. She had, she had an uh, unfortunate injury and it forced her into retirement. And um, after the we went to Delaware – and we won the uh, the grade three up there. It was actually they took it off the turf that day, and she still won. And she still turf. won. She still won. Yeah. So that was that was a lot of fun. I just I just wish that wasn't her last run because man, if it, you kind of wish you could kind of go back and enjoy that moment again a little bit longer. But that was it for us and and her journey. And um, I, I you know I, actually I'm mean, probably gonna go see her this spring. Um, I believe she's at. Claiborne uh, oh really yeah uh, Franz Morsch and his family are gonna breed her and um, you know I think it, it we got to move on hopefully we can find another one of her but it sure will be hard to to match that one she truly was one of the coolest horses I've ever seen I'll, I'll be honest with you um, and you know of course this leads into my next question you may have already partially answered it uh, of all the great runners you've ridden in your career I know General Ruler is gonna be near the top which one or two outside of General Ruler uh, stands out the most to you from a sentimental reason, professional reasons, uh, whichever. Do you have any others besides uh, General Ruler? I'm sure you do. Well, Gentle Ruler uh, will be my pretty, pretty top. She's, I think, the top of the top just because of I never, ever got to the bottom of her. Oh, really? He was only going to get better. And that's what kind of took me a while to cope with, you know, her retiring, just because I knew we had another gear. We had another level to reach. And she was on her way. And I believe she was going to be better during this year than than last year. But, I mean, and I say that with a lot of confidence. I just, just her demeanor out there was just different this year. She was maturing into a way that, you know, it, like I said, it kind of gives you goosebumps. You, you, it was it was pretty exceptional to see her just grow into that. So, 
with not getting to the bottom of her, she was definitely the top of the top. But um, Alsvid, he was he was fast. Oh, yeah. he, he was very good. He was just a whole nother horse. You know, he was all speed. He was a three quarter specialist. He could run 108, 109 every time. Um, he it, what's cool about him is I rode him as a two year old first time out at Remington Park in 2011 when I was on the Oklahoma Texas circuits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was pretty cool. And as time went on, I moved to Kentucky and then here he came, you know, with the Hartman stable. So we reconnected during Oakland and Kentucky, you know, Oakland, we won the count fleet, Kentucky won the Aristides back to back years. So it was kind of cool. We, we grew together, you know, we, yeah. we trusted each other from the very first out to the grade threes and twos together. I mean, it was, it was pretty cool to see. And, uh, yeah, he he stands out big time. I mean, he's all over my wall <laughs> in my <laughs> office. So yeah, he's special. Well, you know, you talked about Chris Hartman, and you you just won the stakes at Turfway this weekend for Chris Hartman with the uh, uh, chance to shine. Uh, the public did not know the horse was going to win. I can assure you that. But did did you guys know this horse was capable of that big an effort? Because uh, I mean. I thought the race was over here. You come flying out of nowhere and won the race going away by about five lengths. Did, did you guys expect that effort? I, to be honest with you, I didn't even talk to Chris. I, we just, I, I didn't, I didn't even talk to him. I was very fortunate to get them out. Um, I actually had a couple other calls in for the stake. They didn't get in. Uh, the race had a ton of entries and, um, the other two I had to ride, uh, didn't get in so chris gave me the opportunity late and it worked out great um i just i let her get at her feet under her and man rice smooth she just she just accelerated on the tapita. she sure did <laughs> I, i'm guessing she just loved the track and she man she ran an unbelievable race very impressive yeah it's amazing how some of these things work yeah you have two other horses and you kind of like and all of a sudden you end up on the winner um it, it was a sight to behold down the center of the racetrack Yes. Yeah, that was that was very, very uh, impressive. And, you know, that's that's part of racing. Sometimes you find yourself on the on the right side of the, you know, the court. And sometimes you find yourself on the other side. And it, that's the way it goes. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, you have my numbers. So next time you got some wide 30 to one shot, you send me a text. OK, pal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got it. ACC, hey, you got any questions for our buddy Chris here? I sure do. Uh, first, Chris. uh I want to take you back a couple of years to a to a horse that you rode at Keeneland. I'm one go all go. Uh, he went wire to wire to win the Elkhorn Stakes. Uh, do you think that's one of your assets? Is maybe you've got maybe like uh, a Pat Day like soft hands that where you can relax a horse? Because I know that horse was fairly headstrong in his career, but you got him to relax that day and 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 won that race. I think it was a two hundred fifty thousand dollar race. The Elkhorn going a mile and a half on the grass. Is that you think that's one of your assets? Is that fair to say? I mean, I like to think I can, you know, I'm very versatile. I can do what I need to do, whether it's coming from off the pace um, or wire to wire. I just try to get along with the horses as much as I can. You know, I try not to force something that's not there, but I also try not to take away anything. You know, uh, it's like us. It's like us running, you know, a couple miles. We don't want to be pushed but we also want to be held back we're going to find our own stride i'd like to say you know the more headstrong horses i can get to turn off a bit more and you know i guess that comes with some hands and 
just a little bit of experience and I'm still, I'm still figuring it out every day. I learn something. So it's, um, you know, I, I hope I can develop into an all around rider, whether it's front back or whatever I need to do to get the job done. And just from my point of view, I think you're a really, really excellent turf rider. I, it, it seems like that, that t- style of racing is suited for you. Is that something you look forward to? Do you, uh, do you look at turf races a little bit differently from uh, dirt races? I just absolutely love the grass. I love yeah. it. I Honest love it. Answer. I love everything about it. Um, I, I truly believe that you don't have to have the best horse on paper to win on turf because, as you know, three or four horses that can win the race got stopped at the eighth pole or didn't reach a hole going into the three eights or got checked at the eighth pole or had a steady. You know, one went six wide, one caught the gap on, you know, going two wide. It's just, it's a lot of luck. I tried to just save as much ground as I can in the first turn so I can, you know, if I have to overcompensate in the second turn to go around them. You know, that's what I do. I was just always was taught, try to save as much ground as you can going into the first turn, t- first turn or at least one turn. So I try to use that as an advantage, but I, I just love, I love the grass. I do have a question. This is a silly question, but uh, I'm a silly person. I, I, I would just curious about the logistics of, of riding at Turfway. Do you, do you, uh, do you, do you spend the weekend up there in Florence, or do you, do you, do you come home every night? Or, 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 well, I don't even know. Where do you live, uh, first I, of all? I live in Louisville. My my wife and two kids, are, we, have, we have a home here. So I come back and forth Wednesdays and Thursdays, and then I will stay. Uh, I'll, I'll commute Friday, but stay Friday night because Saturday mornings are a work day. Uh, you know, I work quite a bit for, like, Mark Cassie or uh, Rudolph Brissett. Um, they, they tend to have some workers for me on Saturday mornings. So it works out good. I stay the night Friday and then, uh, ride, uh, catch a nap, ride Saturday evening and then drive home Saturday night, be home by 11 and see my wife and kids. And it's, it's not bad. It's not a bad routine. That's actually something that, uh, I got asked the other day and I said, actually, I really like the routine. It's not bad. I thought that might be an issue with uh, with Turfway racing so late at night, and then you have to be up early in the morning. Is that not not a big deal to you at all? No, not 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 too bad. Just because I, I feel that uh, my work schedule in the mornings aren't so severe, like during Keeneland and Churchill. Keeneland and Churchill, I have a worker almost every day, uh, where Turfway is a bit more laid back, um, so far at least. So, you know, it's 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 working out good, and um, hopefully we can. We can uh, keep it this way. What do you do for fun away from the racetrack? Well, I hang out with my wife and kids. To me, that's, you know, that's pretty special for me, uh, especially my my youngest one. If I'm gone for a, a day, he, he asks mommy, where's daddy? So I <laughs> I try to spend as much time as I can with him. And um, But I golf a lot. I love golf, but. I can't golf. I put the clubs away. I put the cover on those things. I'm not going out in the cold. So, um, no, I, I enjoy some golf. I like some blackjack. Oh, really? <laughs> that, that'll oh, really? keep you warm. Right. <laughs> so, oh, um, you know, we, we have some fun. Um, but other than that, I just, I'm a homebody. I don't like to go out too much. I love to watch movies. So I understand. <laughs> Give me a movie. Give me a movie you like. Give me one of your favorite movies. Favorite. See where you're at. 
And me and Malcolm Franklin were talking about this the other day in the jocks room at Turfway. Life. 30. Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy is Great probably movie. one of the funniest Great movies movie. I have ever seen. And I can turn it on right now and I could laugh as hard as I could when I, the first time I ever watched it. It's just Great. so funny. Great choice. Great choice. Yeah. Um, that hey, one uh, Far Lap. Far Lap's good. Far Lap. You know what? I have never seen Far Lap. Have you seen that, CC? A long time ago. I, I can't remember much about it, but I have seen Great it. Great movie. Great movie. That's your favorite horse racing movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, by far. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not uh it's not Seabiscuit. Seabiscuit's pretty damn good. Yeah, I I enjoyed Ruffian as well. I thought Ruffian was a good one. Uh, you got anything else for him, TC? Uh, no, that's all. You know, you mentioned a moment ago, uh, Chris, about the the turf racing. I've always felt like in with your stuff, what I've noticed in the past, you sometimes in dirt racing, you'll save some ground and you'll try to launch. You'll try to make that one big move. Is if is, is am I onto that? Is that something you you feel like you've done before? You'll like save ground and just explode down a stretch. I think I've seen you don't do that before. Yeah, I mean we we you know like I said I try to adapt to what the horse wants to do and um uh, you know my bread and butter of barn is Ian Wilkes and he's a, he's known for developing horses. Oh yeah. So as two year olds and three year olds coming out for their first couple starts, you know we're taught we let their let them get under them get their feet under themselves. Don't rush anything. But also don't take it away from them. Get some dirt, save some ground, teach them something. Because you know when um, when it is time and they have some experience, you know then it's uh, then it's all we lay it all out there. But you know that's probably why you see me a lot. I come from the back a little bit, get some dirt, and come home. But um, you know I, I like I said I just try to leave it to them the best I can, and uh, doesn't always work out. But I, I try to do what I can. All right, we've kept you long enough. But last question I have for you, Chris, and this has been fantastic. Um, this might be like picking your favorite child. I know you have two children, but I'm going to ask you, there's five Kentucky tracks. Which one's your favorite? And, and you know, be politically correct if you need to be, but uh, do you have a favorite? Keeneland. I knew that was going to be the answer. I had 20 bucks. I just won 20 bucks. I figured that was going to be answer. That's everybody's favorite answer. By, by far. There's, there's nothing – like it i don't know i mean uh, you get the juices flowing the crowd going over there it's just so uh, the atmosphere you know so historic i just love every everything about it and you know that's what i always tell my wife even after a bad day i'm like well at least i'm at keeneland you know and nothing against churchill churchill's beautiful as well look how many champions have come out of there so you know you have a bad day at the track but Look where you're riding. I'm I'm very blessed. I'm very happy to be here and to call Kentucky my home. And I hope I can uh, make it my home for the rest of my career and just retire here. <laughs> I'm gonna give you. I said there's the last question. I'll give you a little codicil to that last question. Uh, when you're coming down a stretch at a Keeneland or say at Oaks or Derby Day on um, at Churchill, can you feel the crowd? Can you hear the crowd? Do you feed off that? As you're charging down a stretch and you got a hundred thousand or or fifty thousand on the Keeneland Saturday. Do you do you feel that? You know, I not so much down the stretch for me because I'm so focused on just what I need to do with my horse, and I just focus. I was like, it's like I just zone in with the horse, right. and you know, I'm just focused between the two. You know, the horse's two ears, and I would say like in the post parade, that's yeah. 
pumps me up. You can hear the crowd or when you load up for the gate. It's just it's just a it's a cool feeling. You know, it's really cool. And with the pandemic this year, I mean, and no fans, it's been kind of an eerie feeling, you know, but um, honestly, when the gates open, we're just doing our job. So, no, it doesn't really feel different for me personally, but um, no, they, it is fun. It is fun to see a crowd. And like I said, college day at Keeneland, you won't see anything bigger than that. No, no, I'm sure you hear some crazy things, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine you can uh, probably write a book. Well, we yeah. appreciate it, Chris. We don't want to keep you that much longer, but this has been fantastic. We'd love to have you on the show again if you ever decide that you'd be up for something like that. You oh, think maybe wow. we could convince you? Uh, no. uh, for CC and I, I mean, we really do appreciate it. No, no problem. Thank you guys for thinking of me, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be on your guys' podcast. Well, uh, we're going to be watching you the turf way, and then whatever takes you there afterwards, we'll be uh, we'll be keeping an eye on you. So the best of luck to you, uh, continued success, and we'll, we'll hope to have you back on here one day. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your night. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Okay, that was Chris Landeros, everybody, and looking forward to seeing him ride this winter at Turfway Park. A very, very talented rider, a very underrated rider. Uh, Alan, would you not agree with that? I would certainly agree. That We've been saying it for years, and uh, Chris was a fantastic guest. Could not be happier for the success he's having at Turfway, and he's going to catapult him into some bigger and better and more glorious things in 2021, which we're all looking forward to anyway, right? Absolutely. Uh, we're joined now by our our third member of the uh, Auxiliary Gate podcast crew. That's Brandon Jaggers. Brandon, I'm glad you're back. I know you were serving community service uh, for your shoplifting uh, crimes. Uh, <laughs> glad you could join us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I was actually at Turfway doing some scouting, so I wanted to report back on what my findings were. Oh, sweet. You were at Turfway? Well, of course. That's why I missed you all. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Still want to go. All right, so we're going to dive into this pick five on Wednesday night at Turfway. Like I said, $67,000 carryover. Uh, you know, it's going to be a tough, a very, very tough sequence. I, I highly recommend that if you do play, maybe go in with some friends. Don't spend too much money on it because, this, this like I said, it, there, sometimes some randomness happens at Turfway. But uh, we're going to uh, we're going to try our best shot here. We're going to give you some uh, some tips and and maybe share some ideas with you, uh, guys. Let's go to race one on Wednesday night. It's a maiden claimer for two year old fillies. A claiming price of fifteen thousand dollars. Going six furlongs on the tapita, and the favorite morning line choice is from the Wesley Ward barn, and Ward is already. Uh, According to my stats here, he's three for five already with uh, early in the meet, and he trains number two, My Dear Lolita, ridden by Gerardo Corrales, three to one on the morning line. This is a daughter of Palace Malice, a first-time starter. They gave $50,000 for her, and now they debut her for 15. That's not a good sign. <laughs> Alan, let's start with you. What do we do here in race one? You know, it's it's tempting to try to narrow this down, but you want to probably also, stay with a bunch of first-timers by big barns, you don't know what's going to happen at the maiden claiming level. I might, uh, I, I would use six of them in here, you know, if you can afford it. I'd use the Wesley Ward horse 
Uh, I'd use the Mike Maker first timer by Kittens Joy, the Brad Cox first timer by Mishwish. The Mishwishes uh, are doing really well first out. Um, the uh, the Five Horse by Jonathan with Jonathan Thomas, uh, Threat Level Midnight has a good second place finish uh, on the Presque Isle uh, Poly Track surface at a slightly higher level. I think I'm up to four horses there. I would use uh, who am I forgetting in here? The rail horse, Rudy Brissett, uh, late for taps, drops in off some bad efforts, but dropping all the way to fifteen. And for a bit of a contrary one, I would I'd look to the outside with Sugar Diva, who I think actually may run well in this spot. Ten to one, Rafael Bejarano, uh, career debut on the Poly at Arlington Park back in September, ran because a horse named Charlie's Pony who aired that day and then came back to air at Churchill um, a couple weeks ago. That horse ran a good fourth that day. Has tailed off a little bit since, but finds herself in for 15000 So I would – I know it's it's not really the way you want to start it, but I would go 1, 2, uh, 5, 7, 8, and 12 and just hope to get to the next leg. All right, Brandon. Yeah, I want to kind of tell everybody in, the, in, in our – uh, audience listening i mean this is probably the first card one that we've ever handicapped on a wednesday and That's true <laughs> and low level claiming horses i mean i don't the, the sequence is extremely difficult with forms all over the board horses dropping in i mean down to the lowest levels that they can race but i you know so you know, when you watch Turfway, it's almost like watching the camera angle at Kentucky Downs as they're coming <laughs> home in the stretch. It's almost like a head-on angle, so to speak, and not uh, directly overhead, I guess, because of all the demolition work and, yeah. and stands and all those things. So that track is, is, is so unique this year. But, Alan, I, I'm with you. I, I think you've got a spread in this first leg. Uh, pretty much we you talked about everyone that uh, – uh, that I was on, especially I'm doing one through three. Uh, obviously, Wesley Ward's going to break first and fast out of the gate. Maybe this horse can stay on with speed, but you know, you're not going to get a real big price. But it, that's kind of my focus on that horse, as well as uh, late for taps. And then two others that caught, that caught, my, jo- uh, uh, caught my joy the tail of kitten, the kitten's joy horse number eight. Uh, with Chris Landeros, who's the leading rider right now out of Turfway. And then I did like that Sugar Diva quite a lot. So um, I don't like the drop, uh, such a big drop like this, but maybe it's what it takes to get the job done. And and you're right, right on the running lines, they they, they use front wraps, they use blinkers, now they're taking it all off. Uh, horse did have a great synthetic first start. I think this horse really could be primed in Sugar Diva. So I'm, I'm, I might even take a stab at a couple different tickets myself, but I do think on the main ticket you spread, and then I'm honestly going to single that Sugar Diva uh, to, to roll back because I think a lot of the outside horses have been winning there too, not yeah. up, not much I'd on ag- the rail. I'd agree. That's kind of one. Think- of, well, that's probably good as good a time as any to talk about some handicapping tenants at Turfway. I think that's one of the things we need to talk about is horses sprinting at Turfway that break from the rail probably – that's probably not the place you want to be. As, as I'd agree so far. Trail. I'd agree. Um, before we turn to race two, uh, anybody know what threat level midnight refers to? Uh, no, 
do you, I'm taking, you might. Yeah, it's The Office. That was uh, Michael oh. Scott's movie that he wrote was called Threat Level Midnight. So <laughs> you, you want to know something weird? I've never watched The Office. I know this is sh- that shocks people because that's probably right up my alley, but I've never seen The Office. Yeah, that, that's worth seeing. It's worth that's worth binge watching. That's for I sure. Know. All right. So, is those six is those six good for you, CC? I mean, is that, where, is that how you're leaning, or? I probably. I you know I would almost consider taking a, a flyer on the five threat level midnight just because it's Jonathan Thomas. That horse has had some uh, yeah. tapita or tapita experience, and you know he he he's got a workout over the over the track already. You know that might be you know it might be a single if you want to play a, a contrarian second ticket. Yeah. Let's gotcha. go to race two. This is uh, three years old and up, which have never won two races. It, it's for nickel claimers, $5,000 claimers, going one mile on the tapita. And the favorite is number six, Wild Weekend, for Larry Ravelli, a very successful trainer in the uh, on the Chicago circuit, ridden by Gerardo Corrales. And Wild Weekend has not raced since September 24th when he finished ninth and last for the $10,000 level, and now he come, he shows up here, and he's the favorite. What do we do here? Alan? Uh, you probably have to use Wild Weekend. Uh, I'm not crazy about the horse's form, but it's Larry Ravelli on an artificial surface. So you almost have to throw that horse in by default. I think the one to beat, if the horse indeed runs, is the humongous one. Uh, he's running, He's wheeling back just one week after running last week and he run a huge race at this level come from the 12 hole look clear and uh in the stretch got caught by the favorite there's not a lot in the race so i would definitely have to have the humongous one on the ticket i think a lot of people feel the same way if the horse does indeed run uh, i think the horse is named the humongous one because he's he's gigantic they if you watch the horse ran last week he, he he's a he's a monster uh, <laughs> if the horse does indeed run what's that He's son of the big beast, who's also yeah. a, a gigantic horse as well. <laughs> so it runs in a family. It runs in a family, but that was a heck of an effort. So I think he uh, those you might you might be tempted to narrow down those two horses if you're trying to go thin. Uh, I, I will be honest with you. She loved me. Uh, worries me because the, the the consistent figs would put her in this spot. Going to Gary Hartledge uh, after Stanley Huff retired. I could see that horse maybe figuring as well as maybe uh, Wicked Wednesday for a bit of a contrarian long shot. The race probably goes through Humongous One and Ravelli uh, if you wanted to go skinny in that area. But those two do scare me. But if the Humongous One runs, it'd be interesting to see uh, to see uh, if he goes off favored. Yeah, Alan, that, that horse, she loves me, number three. You're right, Gary Hartledge. The horse has been training out of Churchill. I uh, got a couple decent works. I can't say it's, it's been uh, blazing speed or anything like that, but has condition off a long layoff, dropping in probably the lowest level it's ever been. Uh, I think they're going to move that horse, and the trainer is the owner. I sometimes like that angle because uh, they know how to probably place the horse and maybe get the purse money and also move on with the claim because this horse is looking like it needs a claim. Uh, you know, the favorites, the wild weekend, the humongous one, you know, uh, I might pass on humongous one just because of the simple fact of wheeling back so quickly. Yeah. Uh, but I also saw a really nice, uh, priced horse on the outside. Number 10 blazed up Uh horse takes Lasix for the first time. Uh, 
was coming off uh, turf, a lot of turf form in that horse. Can't say those were stellar performances out of Belterra in Indiana. Uh, but I think maybe this horse has something here at this drop, at this level, and taking first-time Lasix and only a, a four-year-old, where you got some of these horses are seven. I saw a seven-year-old. I guess it was maybe the first horse. Yeah, Agro Crag. Uh, and then uh, uh, Major Silas, I think, has a, a, a possible long-shot chance. Also, you know, just a turfway, you know, horse. So, uh, but different change in surface, getting gelded, coming back, has workouts. So maybe it's an angle, but uh, really my, my my top choice, if I can, on a, on a nickel claimer, is I'm coming to Blazed Up, number 10, at 20 to 1. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just to sum up, Alan, how deep are you in this race? Uh, yeah. I would probably go, I'd probably go three, uh, but you know I could see single and humongous one. I, I, I I'd be scared to leave out Ravelli and Hartledge getting this. This she loved me has been a disappointment throughout her career. The, I could see this one getting in there. I think humongous one's the one to beat, but I would probably go three D. Brandon, yeah, I'm three. I blazed up for sure. Uh, Gary Hartledge's horse, uh, she loves me. And then I'm going to uh, probably come back to Wild Weekend. Okay, race three is for open claimers, open $8,000 claimers, six furlongs. And the favorite is down along the inside. That's the two-horse Corot. This horse rings a bell. Alan, didn't this horse belong or train with uh, Mark Cassie? Maybe back That's, in the day? Yes, or, yeah. Or uh, yeah. Coolmore, the Coolmore guys? Yeah, it's uh, a long maybe, way away from that, but yeah, you're, I think you're right about that. I think this horse was a million dollar purchase, maybe or, or no, something. It's, like. it's one hundred fifty five thousand. Uh, um, oh, do you have that? Okay. Yeah. I was thinking this horse was more expensive than that, but uh, but this horse is uh, seven for twenty five lifetime. He's actually won a race on the synthetic, and he's done all right on turf. Uh, he draws the rail for Hollendorfer. Hollendorfer hasn't really done very well in Kentucky. No, no. But, it, uh, you know, he, he's obviously a Hall of Fame trainer. But, uh, you know, this horse is a uh, tepid three-to-one morning line favorite. Uh, Brandon, we'll start with you this time. Uh, a lot of ex- – there's a handful of horses here that uh, ha- has some really uh, good form on synthetic tracks uh, in the past. Uh, did you land on any of those? Um, let me look here. The ones, you know, definitely, I looked more on the, it only had three starts, but I came clear to action, clear for action. Number seven, you got John court to me, John court wins one race, one, one night, every, every race day, it seems like to me, or has a big price that comes underneath second or third. At least that's what, how John rides at, at Churchill. And, you know, I, you know, I've been right on a couple of those, uh, we've mm-hmm. been out, out at the track and I mean, he's a, he's a great jockey. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, but th- that horse has had three tries over the synthetic, uh, you know, placing the money, it got placed twice. So, you know, mostly a turf form, uh, but, but I like this spot The the tag going up for eight grand, it's, it's, they ran protected for a while. So, um, I think that's kind of, that's a really key horse for me. Uh, and then I'm coming back on the inside to Manacle, number three. 
And then I'm looking definitely Caro or Karat is, is definitely a top choice. So I'm going to try to skim three deep through here. The coupled entry, I bet one scratches out, uh, but maybe not. I have to see you have to tell me what you think there. Uh, and then that's really that all that caught my eye. And I just don't know, though, what to do with this old timers day on the far outside. Okay, Alan. Uh, I would try to get through this race. I could see this is where you might want to try uh, a bold single. I like the bold singles. Uh, I think I would use four with, I'd have two A's. The two A's would be the entry. It depends on who goes. Stevie's man has 18 poly track wins, 18 all weather wins. He's 20 for 50 lifetime. 10 year old with some back class that they claim for 8,000. They run him back for 8,000 as a 10 year old. So there's a little question there. If Stevie's man were the one to go over Save the Drama, not that Save the Drama couldn't win, I'd be more inclined to make Stevie's man the A in the race, uh, even though he's 10 years old. The other A I would use would be Terrazzo, who has a lot of back class as well. And Rogelio Miranda uh, was the, the jockey who piloted this horse to an eight-length win the last time he, uh, he, uh, Moreno was on him. He gets back on the day. This horse has a lot of back class at Turfway. Has a lot of success at Turfway. Uh, going back even last year, uh, the horse loves the he loved the poly track, but it seems like the horses have run well on synthetic have run well on Tapita so far. So I would lean on Terrazzo and Stevie's man if Stevie's man goes. I would include Brandon's clear for action as a bit of a bomb, uh, simply because that horse has back class and you can toss the last race in protecting Star Allowance Company because it's a Kentucky Downs in a blistering pace. I'm willing to forgive that race. And again, as you mentioned earlier, Hollendorfer has not done much in the state of Kentucky. He does have one win, I know, but a lot of his horses have not run well. So I'd probably have to use Corot simply because a horse on a three-way swim streak against technically better. But I would lean to Stevie's man and Terrazzo. Okay. And once again, let's just sum it up. Brandon, how many horses would you recommend using here? I'm going three. And Alan? Four. I, w- I would use Stevie's man, Terrazzo, uh, Caro, and Clear for Action. There's a couple others that scare me, I won't lie, but you know, you can't you can't bet them all. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's go to race four. Now, this is one of the toughest conditions you'll ever see. Three years old and up, which have never won two races. Always a difficult race. Six and a half furlongs. Uh, these are for three years old and up. And the favorite, again, a tepid favorite, the two-horse Kenzia Stone for Buff Bradley, ridden by Rafael Bayarano. Uh, horse looks like he makes sense here. He's in good form. Uh, the only drawback is he has no synthetic experience. And he's only hit the board once in five turf starts. But he's never raced this low before. Alan, where did you land? This race depends on if Wesley Ward draws in. Wesley Ward's sitting on the outside of the 13. Um, a horse that won by 14 lengths as easy as he wanted to uh, last year at Turfway. Who knows if the horse gets in and then once the horse gets in, you know, can you trust the horse uh, coming back at this level? Um if he draws in, you have to use the horse. The horse I would consider singling for the day would be the horse you mentioned, Kenzie Stone, if Wesley Ward does not draw in. I like that this horse bid 
into a very fast pace against uh, Nick Seedles Ravenio last time, going a mile. He bent into the pace, a hot pace. When it went 45 and three, one ten and two, the horse uh, did lose ground late. But Ravenio is a tough horse when he gets the lead, and uh, this horse held his place. So they shortened back up to six furlongs, and you know a one ten. The horse runs a one ten and two. He'll beat these horses. So if Wesley Ward doesn't draw in, I would consider singling Kenzie Stone. That said, there's a couple that scare me. Whiskey Chaser on the rail could easily win the race. Uh, Channel Surfer for Gerald Brooks, who's a, a Prescott trainer. Lots of lots of polytrack surface on the turn back. If you could afford it, maybe you use that one too. But it's going to come down as Wesley Ward in the race. Uh, if yes, I'd use him. If not, I would be considered singling Kenzie Stone. You got you to take a shot somewhere and single somewhere, right? Absolutely. I should note, yeah, uh, Kenzie Stone is the morning line favorite in the body of the field, but the, the Ward horse, Jimmy's Lifestyle, is 5-2 to two on the morning line, so technically that's your morning line favorite. Brandon? Yeah, the uh, Ward horse, if, the, if it does draw in, gets a lot of attention. I mean, even our good friend Tom Jury, who's been on the podcast before, I, I would love to see his horse, this horse run onward. Uh, gets a decent jock. It's a, mostly an Indiana Grand jockey. Malcolm Franklin, the horse has been everywhere. Saratoga, Belmont, Aqueduct, Gulfstream, Tampa, Delaware, back to Aqueduct, and now we're at Turfway. So, I, and and unfortunately, Tom hadn't had a ton of time with the horse, but it'd be interesting to see if those two on the outside do draw in on 13 yeah, and 14. Yeah, you're right. You're uh, right. I kind of moved on the inside here. I'm really focusing on kind of a smaller ticket and looking up at the jockeys that have seemed to have run well so far on the meet, Kenzie Stone is, is one with Rafael Barrano. Uh, I really like Channel Stuffer a lot. Uh, Alan talked about that. A big drop coming in, shortening up. I, I like I like when the horse has been running miles for consecutive, but it was a European horse that was originally running shorter, but comes to America and was going longer uh since i mean a long long time so uh it's it's kind of a strange that's a strange horse uh especially the long time off but uh and then crockett's bluff I, you know huge drop hasn't raced in eight months gets lasix and blinkers i mean this horse is working out of keeneland in the mornings i think that's a big play here I don't know the trainer doesn't hit on the figs uh, but gets one of the uh, a great rider and uh, you know, leading rider and Gerardo Corrales, I, I that that's my single A in this race, and I may even on my skinny ticket single that horse Crockett's Bluff. Uh, Reed McGee is Shug McGee's son, and uh, if yeah. I'm not right, right CC, I'm right about that, correct? I think that's right. Yeah, and uh, you're right, Crockett's Bluff is there's a good X factor horse. Who knows what this horse is going to do? Uh, but you know, the horse is drop, making a major drop off the layout. So that's another one that I mentioned is scary. You got a single somewhere, but at the same time, and we should mention Gerardo, just like with Chris Landeros, Gerardo, Gerardo Corrales is riding extremely well at Turfway as we all figured he would. So that's another, uh, feather in that horse's cap. Okay, guys, uh, Brandon, again, just to sum up, how many horses would you use here? Well, since I'm going to be doing two tickets tomorrow or Wednesday, uh, I'm going to single Crockett's Bluff there on my skinny ticket. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've got a lot of – the horse is just geared up to do everything it's supposed to do and win and shorten it up. So I'll take a single there. And then uh, I believe 
uh, Channel Stuffer was the other, uh, the four horse. And if, if the outsides draw in, I mean, that's really the biggest question in my mind. But I'm two. I'm two as of right now. Okay, and Alan? I'll single Kenzie Stone unless Ward draws in. If Ward draws in, uh, I'll use both, knowing full well that uh, neither one of them could easily win, uh, to be qu- quite frankly. Uh, you've got you just you got to try to find the, the one you can stand on the, uh, the strongest. And uh, I'll use two at the most, but likely if Ward doesn't draw in, I'll just use Kenzie Stone and hope for the best. And let's wrap up the pick five, and things don't get any easier with a maiden special weight for two-year-old fillies. Six furlongs, and I'm telling you what, this thing is wide open. Again, a tepid <laughs> favorite. Number 12, Cuzzy Wuzzy for the Eddie Keneally Barn, a daughter of Vancouver out of Cozine Mary. You would think that would be well-suited for the Tapita surface. Uh, Alan, let's go to you. Where, where are you in this wide-open race? As you said, this is a tough way to close. If you could get alive and use a couple of good contenders, hey, man, good for you. I'm going to focus on – Five here. I would have to have boots and jeans, the rail horse, for, even though we talked about the rail not being really good at sprinters. This is uh, Air Force Blue, out of Air Force Blue, and those horses have really impressed. The young ones have really impressed so far. And I think the horse looks like he's ready. It looks like the horse might be live. There's several turfway works. They're consistent. They're they're weekly. Uh, there's some bullets in there. At, at on the tap of the surface. I mean, I don't know if I've seen a horse yet with five works on the tap of the surface, and this horse has two bullets. So the horse feels loud to me. Draw against Alvin Jimenez, who always does well at Turfway. I'd have to have boots and jeans. I would like to have Miss Malibu by uh, Al Stahl, four horse. Uh, did not run a step in her debut. However, that was against Travel Column, who is pr- probably the favorite of the Kentucky Oaks right now, if, if you saw the last race. Off we go was live. The horse did not break. This horse is a full to coasted, if I'm not mistaken, a full a full sister to coasted who won about a half million dollars and a half to a couple other uh, four six-digit winners. So there's some pedigree here. By into mischief, I'd have to have Miss Malibu. Um, who else did we have in here? I'd have to use Cuzzy Wuzzy on the outside, because, shortening up for Eddie Keneally. The horses face the likes of Crazy Beautiful, Dream Quest, Ant Pearl, and a Wesley War horse called um, the Transition Arms, like or, and trained Artemis. Uh, on class alone, the horse has to be used. I'd like to have a Merry Prankster with Mark Kubley <laughs> um, and Gina Lucille. Gold Dior, this horse is a half to uh, uh, the Mark Hennig horse. Strike Charmer, not Strike Charmer. We're not thinking of uh, CC. Uh, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Very fast horse. Uh, strike power. Strike, strike power. power. Had to strike power. The horse ran very fast first time out for a uh, little-known Gina Lucille. And Mark Hubley does well with his homebreds here at the Turfway, so I'd have to have that one on there, too. And, and I would also throw in Mike Maker's Pledge. Horse didn't run at all in the debut, but kind of got buried inside on a speed in, in a speed duel, so I'm willing to forgive that, so... I would like to have the one, four, uh, seven, uh, ten, and twelve. I can make a case for a couple others, like the two Mike Lane Ewing horses, um, the Brad Cox horse. But if I was a lot, just got those five, I'd be thrilled. Um, if I just had the one and the four, I'd be thrilled. All right, Brandon. 
Yeah, if I'm alive here, I'll probably end up doing some push-ups because I'll be so nervous. Because <laughs> i got a feeling the, the bomb sequence is in between uh, where somebody's going to come from under the radar or off the radar for sure. But, uh, yeah, I like the rail horse a lot, too. Boots and jeans. That's kind of where I'm going. I'm throwing out two, three, and four. I didn't see anything that I liked there. I mean, some of these horses didn't even make a turn, it seemed like. Uh, but And I'm throwing out Cox. I don't think that horse is going to do much of anything. Uh, did a couple works on the Tapita, but uh, not not for me. I really like Cuzzy Wuzzy a ton. I think this horse has got a lot of potential. And then I'm also taking the dialed-in filly, uh, the two-year-old, uh, for Mike Ewing, uh, Casanova Queen. So that's just a pedigree play. I like dialed-ins. I think the turf, or not turf, but the synthetic, the horse can run on both. Uh, so that's where I'm going to stand. These, these also eligibles are monsters, though. If these horses draw in, to me, they've got some of the most uh, experience and and that they can actually make turns and, and not get crushed by the field by 20 and 30 lengths like some of these other horses I'm seeing on run lines. So, uh, gosh, I mean, you know, when will we find out when they draw in? What time do you all think? Like one or two It'd o'clock? Be, yeah, 10 or 11 o'clock. Yeah. When do they officially know, though? Is it the night before or is it that morning? I think they know in the morning. They, they'll re- the all salesables will have to scratch. If they don't draw in, they'll have to scratch in the morning. And then okay. yeah, we'll, we'll know if they get in probably around 11 o'clock or so, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, we're actually going to have a couple of my other horse buddies, and you guys are welcome. Uh, but we're going to have a happy hour uh, pick five since it starts <laughs> at 6.15. Uh, we're going to have some wings and uh, a few beers and bourbons, I think, and hope for the best and play with your friends, guys, because this ticket's going to be expensive. <laughs> uh, hopefully the podcast will definitely do a group ticket and maybe check Craig or Alan on Twitter if they put it out there on the Twitter land. I don't you know how it. to do that, but uh, <laughs> it'll certainly be interesting. I can't say the pod has ever capped a car with 7,500 and 5,000 claiming horses, but uh hey i love what it. you do during december <laughs> <laughs> this is the best thing about kentucky racing uh, you know it's uh you, you can handicap a grade one race one day and then a, a nickel claimer right after it so yeah but these you know the people like hey uh, some people bad mouth turf it's like you, you want full field right you want full competitive field that's turf giving you that turf giving you that with uh with a with a synthetic surface and contrary to what a lot of people believe uh, you can narrow Turfway down. I mean, I think favorites are actually winning about 45% of the races so far. It's just that the ones that do come in or leave your head scratching a little bit. So it's a matter of how you how you sequence your tickets in in a lot of uh, in a lot of manners. So uh, who'd you like in the last leg there, CC? I'm looking at I'm looking at four horses. Two of them are on the also eligible list. So you know, like you said, a merry prankster is well bred. She's got distorted humor. And yeah. she nearly won her first race. And, uh, and little-known Gina Lucille is riding uh, this filly. And she's she's five out of 50. She's ridden almost exclusively at, at Indiana Grand. And she's making her turfway debut, I suppose. Um, I think you got to use that one. That horse scratched last week at Churchill. That horse is up at Churchill and scratched. There you mistaken. go. I mean, Hubley is a very, very sneaky trainer. 
Yeah. So I think you gotta you might keep an eye on that one. And I think Cuzzy Wuzzy, if you throw out the the sloppy start at Churchill, this horse fits like a glove. This is the type of horse that'll come running late. Yeah. So I think I, I think you might be able to get by with just using a handful. Well, not even a handful, maybe two or three, and this is one of them. I mean, this might be the single for all I know. But you could make a case for that. If they draw in, I like. Uh, I've had my eye on number thirteen Regal Song. This is a daughter of Noble Mission, and going back in the summer, she showed early speed, and you know Neil Howard fillies. He he doesn't get a lot of uh, decent fillies anymore, or decent horses anymore. But I mean, he he knows how to train. He won a Preakness back in the nineties, and he trained a a horse of the year, Mine Shaft. Um, but she showed speed. And it looked like she was going to be, you know, part of the exact. And then she just gave gave way late. And I think the the top two fillies that beat her that day were pretty talented. And then she came, she comes back at Churchill and goes a mile to sixteenth. And and you know she was really rank on the lead. And she faded late in a pretty decent field. So I think, given you know, you know she's got to work over the track. I think she's she she's gonna be one I'm gonna put on my ticket. I, I think she's she's ready to go this time. I don't like the price four to one. I'm pretty upset about that. But and then you know if Gravitron gets in, I mean here's a daughter of into mischief that that uh, hit the board at Del Mar back in the summer. So you know that that might be worth using too. It just depends on if they draw in or not. So yeah, uh, for me if I can get down to this leg, I'm not gonna have very many horses on here at all. I think I like I like the the ones I mentioned. Yeah. I agree. Well, I, I think the Ortiz horse might be live. I think the Ortiz horse might be live, but I also think I could see a case where Cuzzy Wuzzy uh, takes the surface, takes the sprint, because the horse did sprint last time. The, the, the back class on this horse, I think mean, this horse could explode. Absolutely. So, right, so. Uh, uh, again, right. just, just hope you get live to a couple shots. Right. All right, because it's probably going to pay enormous, you know. And enor- enormous for me is like 300 bucks anymore oh, don't listen to him folks don't listen to him <laughs> uh, so let's just wrap it up let's 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 talk about our probably our best bets on the on the pick five card uh, okay alan we'll start with you just maybe a, a, a horse that you would like to single a horse i would like to single if you uh, had you know, to. I'm, I'm yeah you know i like the contrarian singles uh, that said in this one i would if wesley ward doesn't draw in I would single Kenzie Stone, the two horse in leg four. I, I would think. Uh, I, I would say humongous one maybe, but there's a couple of factors at play there. But one, if the horse even runs. But if I had to, I would single Kenzie Stone if Wesley Ward does not draw in. And Brandon, I would go with the Ward horse in race three, Jimmy's Lifestyle, or not it, not race three, uh, race four, if he draws if he in. It, what if he doesn't draw in? If he doesn't draw in, I'm going to go to the outside with Cuzzy Wuzzy. I think it's uh, like in race three, five. Race five. Yeah. I can understand yeah. that. Let's wrap this up. Uh, we enjoyed having Chris Linderos on the show uh, and look forward to, to betting his horses in the future. And uh, obviously, we're all going to, I think, take a stab at this pick five on, on Wednesday night at Turfway. Like I said, $67,000 carryover. That's dead money in the pool. So uh, partner up with, with a friend or several friends and, and, and try to take this pool home. So, uh, uh, guys, anything else you want to add? No, I just want to thank Chris Landeros again. Look forward to having him on the future. Uh, forward to having him on again in the future. And wish him the best of luck. We seriously appreciate his uh, stopping by tonight.
Yeah, and I would add, if, if you're going to play this pick five, make sure you're rolling some pick threes and keep coverage on, on your pick five bet because all you need is one price horse to come home. And uh, hopefully you include it in the pick five. And if you got it in your pick three, you're going to be very happy. I had a, a great Saturday uh, of playing. I had a, a $40.50 pick three that paid me $1,200. So Sweet, sweet. Good job. I was very excited about that. And uh, we celebrated. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Okay. So on behalf of uh, Alan and Brandon, I'm CC. And we just want to remind you, as always, that gambling money ain't got no home.